Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now, from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. And today's show brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15, Hummel's Wharf, online at sunburymotors.com. Ford, Kia, Hyundai, the best in new inventory with great warranties and also great end of the year deals. Fabulous pre-owned inventory with the Sunbury Motors Guarantee because they go over every vehicle on the lot. And a terrific service department, whether it's routine or difficult, they handle it all at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia, Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf and online at sunburymotors.com. In uh, our profession, they don't get any better in terms of on-air professionalism and any better off the air in terms of personal relationship than Dave Ennett. My good friend, it's great to have you with us. Steve, always good to hear your voice. Good being with you. Okay, let's start with this. David Braun was put in a really difficult position. I won't say impossible because he's doing good things with it, but he's put in a really difficult position. What's allowed him to handle it to this point? That's a great question. I mean, because I, I had the same thoughts when David was elevated to the position of interim head coach. And, you know, I, I think, first of all, he's he's, um, he's a quality person. He is a good football coach, knows the game. And I think that no matter what your background is, no matter uh, what level you've coached at, I mean, certainly there's a learning curve. He knew there would be, never having coached at the, the Power 5 level before, let alone coaching the Big Ten. Had never been a head coach before, and uh, you know. But I think he's very organized. I think he's he's uh, very detail oriented, and I also think that he hasn't been afraid to ask for help. And he's got a lot of experience on his coaching staff. So I think it's probably a combination, uh, and and it hasn't been a straight line to get from uh, where he started to get to the big win last Saturday, but. Uh, certainly, I think that he's he's been he's approached it. I think with the right mindset. No one's promised him anything uh, except that he's the interim head coach for now and kind of see where it goes. Uh, ben Bryant started at Cincinnati, went to Eastern Michigan, went back to Cincinnati, and now he is a sixth-year player playing for Northwestern. What does he bring to the position that you like? Well, first of all, some uh, consistency and some continuity. As you know, Steve, that's an area over the last couple of years Northwestern's been lacking. And and really, uh, you go back to uh, the 2015 through 2018 seasons when Clayton Thorson started 53 straight games for them. Right. And, and then they did get uh, Peyton Ramsey for the one year in 2020 and won the Big Ten West, but uh, otherwise, it's there's been something of a, a revolving door at the position, uh, be it uh, because of uh, just inconsistency, because of poor performance, because of injury. It's it's really been a revolving door. I mean, Hunter Johnson has been the starting quarterback in the opener twice, and uh, in b- both seasons, 
and and Hutter came in with you know certainly great expectations transferring in from Clemson he was a five-star recruit by Clemson uh, and and came in and and just uh, was wasn't uh, successful at Northwestern that happens sometimes they've had other guys come in who uh, for whatever reason it just didn't pan out and I think that with Bryant they've got a guy who's got a lot of experience you know he's played in more than 40 games he's he started a 20 some odd games in his career and I think having that experience and also having a group of receivers who've got some experience around him now uh, not that they haven't had good receivers in the past and and some guys like Malik Washington played a lot of football for them and some other guys but I think that this group now a couple of transfers uh, Cam Johnson, A.J. Henning, plus Bryce Kurtz, who's finally healthy. I think that that's also helping Bryant a lot. You know, it, he's not going to be out there often, but they'll change up with Jack Lausch at quarterback. What does that change up do to the offense for Northwestern? Well, he's he certainly gives them another dimension. And it's it's not unlike and and keep in mind he's really only played uh, a handful of snaps so far. I mean, maybe right. he played a few extra when the game against UTEP was out of hand, uh, but it's it's not unlike when uh, they were alternating between uh, Kane Coulter and Trevor Simeon or Dan Persa yeah. a few years ago because I think that Lausch gives them that dimension. Uh, a great mobility, more so than Bryant. Although Bryant, you know, they've they've run him a little bit, but but clearly it's a real strong point for Lausch. He's a terrific athlete. I know he's got a strong arm. He hasn't really. He's only thrown two passes, two or three passes uh, so far this season. Uh, he was a, a terrific uh, baseball player, and and was really he was headed to Notre Dame to play baseball, and then Northwestern offered him a football scholarship. Mm-hmm. So. Um, you know, he's just he gives them uh, just the the ability to to move around back there, and and also he can make plays with his legs. And so, you know, I, I just think they'll they'll try to work him in there and and certain packages, and it, it certainly is a nice dimension to be able to add to your offense. Cam Porter's always been a running back of like, but I also know he's been banged up. What has it meant to them having him healthy again? That's huge. That's huge. And and really, it's the first time uh, this this first four games, and especially the last couple of games, really the first time he's looked like the Cam Porter since twenty of twenty twenty since before the injury. Uh, he he missed all of the twenty one season. And he was hurt in fall camp that year. Came back last year, but uh, you know again he was. They had Evan Hull too, you know. So right. uh, Hull kind of took the job and ran with it, and they used Porter sort of as a change of pace type guy. But he is a hard nosed, tough Big Ten running back who also has a pretty quick burst that we hadn't really seen last year. So uh, I, I think uh, having Cam back there uh, is is huge, and they have a young guy by the name of. Joseph Hyman II, yes. who's got some explosiveness. And I don't know if you had a chance to see the touchdown he scored against UTEP on a screen pass 
yeah. uh, which this the the pass went for about ten yards, and he ran for seventy five and outran everybody in an eighty five yard touchdown. And he's got great breakaway speed, so you know that's kind of a nice one two punch there. And they got some other guys with some experience, like Anthony Tyus the third. Uh, he hadn't played a whole lot yet on offense, but. Yeah, really. I mean, I think uh, Porter being back there, he's a captain. He's got experience. He's been on a winning team. He's been in a Big Ten championship game. I think those things all matter. What did you see in the last 17 minutes of regulation and overtime that you had not seen before that? (laughs) You know, I saw confidence from the offense, which they they really – haven't had the last few years i mean you had the feeling and this goes back steve to days when well maybe with with ramsey and certainly with clayton thorson and guys like persa and mike kafka in the past where when northwestern got the ball and i could go on zach kustak you know but they would (laughs) you had the feeling they were going to take the ball down the field and score right and you haven't really seen that the last few years it's been uh, it's been kind of like waiting for something to go wrong here because they would move the ball at times but then stub their toe. Turnovers. Last year, this the football team turned it over 31 times. 31 times yeah. in 12 games and leading to 65 points. I mean, they, you got no chance. You absolutely have no chance. That's an area where traditionally they had always been very good. And and it, I, I realize Penn State's forte has been taking the ball away. But so far this year, they've been pretty good at protecting the football. And, and I just had the feeling on Saturday, uh, especially with the connection that we saw really for the first time between Ben Bryant and Bryce Kurtz, you just right. had the feeling they were going to take the ball down the field and score. That's what they did. Uh, I know that when we have to vote for the preseason All-Big Ten, we have to pick five in the East and five in the West. And I'll be straight with everybody. I I put Bryce Gallagher down as one of my five in the West. That's how highly I think of him and the family tree, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Out of of Rainham, Massachusetts. But along with Xander Muller, and then Kenny Soares made a big play in overtime. What are you seeing from the linebackers, and how important are they to what David wants to do on defense? Well, I mean, they've been huge because, first of all, the the uh, the front four is a is a work in progress. You know, they're rotating some guys in there, um, and and they were they've have struggled against the run, and and quite frankly, did against Minnesota for a good part of that game. Right. You know, I mean that Darius Taylor, number one for Minnesota, is pretty good. Yeah. And uh, I mean, you don't get to be Big Ten freshman the week three weeks in a row for for being unproductive. And so, you know, he he had a big game. They ran for a lot of yards, and and I think that that linebacking core, which you know is is been a strength for Northwestern in past years, uh, but they have also had the they used to call themselves the Irish Law Firm, you know, with Patty Fisher and the Elder Gallagher and Chris Bergen. You know, those guys, it, it seemed like Patty was their middle linebacker forever there, right? And then right. Uh, and, and Blake Gallagher and, and, uh, and Bergen. And, you know, and once those guys moved on and suddenly Bryce Gallagher's in there and he's a young guy, 
and then they brought in Mueller and, and Bergen was gone, you know, and they kind of had to redefine themselves a little bit. And Gallagher has has made steady progress to the point where I agree with you. I think he's one of the best linebackers in the conference. Bueller's having a terrific year. He had a great game the other night. He sure did. And, and, and then Soares is a guy who, you know, when they when they play three linebackers, they're putting him in. They, they play like just about everybody now, I think, or most teams, you know, they're, they play a lot of 4-2-5, and so they'll take Soares out and, and uh, put in uh, another defensive back. But, you know, he's he's a guy with, with great lateral movement. He's strong. He's, he hasn't played a ton, but he's uh, getting an opportunity to make some plays. And, and you're right, he did – he did make some the other night, and boy, they needed him too. Dave, I felt Welsh Ryan Arena is one of the better remodeling jobs I've ever seen. It's a perfect arena for what that university needs. Now the stadium. Are uh, they still on track to level it at the end of the season and then <laughs> they rebuild it? Well, that's a great question. Uh, you know, it's still the plan. There's still a planning to proceed but they still need to go through the regulatory process and they're getting some opposition there was a meeting of the evanston city council last night uh there is a, a great uh disagreement going on because they want to hold concerts there and you know, the plans I, I don't know if i think you've seen them steve but the yeah. plans are beautiful i mean it's really going to be a nice place kind of along the lines of what they did with Walsh Ryan Arena. They're going to reduce the capacity. Uh, you know, this is the smallest school in the Big Ten, and uh, they made basketball a hot ticket and uh, turned that place into what they hoped it would be. And they want to do the same with the football stadium. And so they would reduce it. It will be smaller. They're trying to make it as neighbor-friendly and community-friendly as they can. Some of the neighbors, though, are objecting. They don't want concerts there, which Northwestern was hoping to hold, and some other events. So they've negotiated down the number of concerts. That that was a sticking point. Uh, I'm sure those discussions are continuing. Uh, last I've heard that the plan, or the hope, is still that after our season ends and the last home game is against Purdue in November, that uh, they'll they'll start tearing the place down, and uh, Northwestern will play elsewhere for two years. But nothing is definite yet in terms of the timeline because they still need the uh, the approval of the city, and uh, that that's still kind of there's still a bunch of hearings to be held, and so that's still to be determined. Wow. Well, I mean, I don't think the guys at Mustard's Last Stand are complaining. So, (laughs) (laughs) no, you know what? That's as you know, that's a that's a landmark there. Yes, it uh, is. There's going to be a stadium there, one way or the other. I mean, they're not going to just they're they're not going to leave Ryan Field standing the way it is and go play somewhere else forever. I mean, they're going to have to do something. Uh, It needs to be done. It's it's been needed for a long time. And the the facility, they have beautiful facilities. They, they build a great uh, athletic complex down on the oh, lakefront, which is, which has been ter- tremendous. And, uh, you know, the new Welsh Ryan Arena, the campus is beautiful. Now they need a new football stadium on the site 
where there is a football stadium. So they, um, you know, they've they've got to figure it out and try to get that done. And you know, I, I I think they will. It just may take them a little longer than perhaps they had hoped. And the last question on that yep. and overall, Dave, and that deals with can't they just level it? And still negotiate with the city as they build it. I mean, and then you then you could start figuring out what can and can't go in there. You know, I've asked that question, and it's in my mind. Um, you know, they because eventually they're going to come to a resolution of this thing. They're not going to not build a new stadium, right? And and it's it wouldn't be the Evanston Chamber of Commerce came out with a statement yesterday endorsing the plan and say this is good. I mean, it's going to bring. Million, hundreds of millions of dollars to the Evanston economy and and jobs and all sorts of things and why wouldn't you want to do that it's it's and because of that uh, the city needs it so eventually it's going to happen so why not go ahead with the assumption you're going to be playing somewhere next year even if you don't get the approval until April uh, you know you still can go ahead and and be working. Uh, on the assumption you're going to be elsewhere and then uh, proceed. And if it, if you end up playing a little longer away from Evanston, then so be it. But uh, you got to get it done. And, you know, it is going to be a factor, I think, Steve, in, in the next whoever the coach is, whether David Braun ends up getting the job on a permanent basis or whether they go out and try to get a big-name coach to come in. Whoever they try to hire is going to want to know where he's going to be playing his football games and and recruits are going to want to know are they going to get to play in a new stadium so so it's a it's a it's a pretty important decision and it's pretty important that they stay after it and and get going on it and uh you know i know the university is is trying to expedite it um i you know we'll see what happens i i still think that the plan is that you know they're going to be by the by the winter, and it's a short construction season in Chicago, as you know. Uh, they uh, they're going to get to work on this thing. Really missed you at the golf outing in in May, and you had great reasons as to why you weren't there. And I'm really looking forward to seeing you on Saturday, Dave. Yeah, me too. I, I you know I think uh, this will be this will be fun, and you know, it's been a long time since you guys have been there for football, so. Um, it'd be great to see you steve and looking forward to uh seeing this this football team that uh, is coming to evanston i've <laughs> i've watched them and I'd, I'd say this is a pretty one of the better defensive teams i think i've yeah. seen in a long time in this yeah. conference yeah well, they're playing well but they're going to get challenged on saturday dave thanks so much really appreciate you you bet good talking to you we'll see you saturday the great dave in he is just one of the absolute best in the business. Uh, Northwestern so fortunate to have him as a great voice of their program. And we will come back with more in a moment here on News Radio 1070 WKOK, brought to you by Sunbury Motors. Okay. It looks like Damian Lillard is going to be dealt to the Milwaukee Bucks. You've heard about Miami. You've heard a long list of teams that he's allegedly going to. Uh, It looks like it's going to be 
the Milwaukee Bucks in a three-team deal. Uh, he will go to the Bucks. Uh, Portland gets Drew Holiday, DeAndre Ayton, and Kamara. You're saying, well, gee, they got DeAndre Ayton. That's because the Phoenix Suns are part of the deal. Uh, the Suns will get Yusuf Nurchich, Grayson Allen, Nazir Little, and Keon Johnson. But Damian Lillard is going to go to the Milwaukee Bucks. So that all that time in Portland where, look, he gave his heart and soul to that organization and to that city has now come to a close. And he has a chance to win a championship with the Bucks. Jody McDonald, next half hour, we'll talk to Jody Mack about the Eagles. Phillies clinched the playoffs last night in a walk-off. Congrats to them. Today's show brought to you by Sunbury Motors here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now, from the Sunbury Motors studio, here's Steve Jones. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15, Hummel's Wharf online at sunburymotors.com. Ford Kia Hyundai, best in new inventory with great warranties and end-of-the-year deals. Fabulous pre-owned inventory with the all-important Sunbury Motors guarantee because they go over every vehicle and a terrific service department that backs it up every step of the way at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia, routes 11 and 15, Hummel's Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. Time now to bring in one of the best in the business, and that is the outstanding Jody McDonald. Jody Mack, how have you been, my friend? SJ, how you been? I'm doing great. Great, you? Nice. Yeah, well, let's see. The Phillies going to the playoffs. The Eagles at 3-0. and Yeah, I'm good. Thanks for yeah, asking. Really good. So I want to ask you about I'm going to start with the Eagles, and that's – it seems like they're just in not spectacular fashion, but they're going about their business every week. How do you look at this football team that has been, I would say, the word efficient to this point? I would say they're in very good shape. When you haven't played your best football, and that's how you just described them, and I would agree with you, I don't think they've played anywhere near their best football. And you're 3-0. and How does it get better than that? When you know there's room for improvement, where you know there's room for growth, where you've got veteran players who have had big seasons before who are a little slow getting out of the gate, you assume they're going to pick it up. You assume they're going to get to the back of their baseball card, football card, we're talking football here, so football card, you think they're going to get back to what they've usually given you, and the Eagles have a couple guys like that on the team, and oh, by the way, you look up at the standings, oh, they're 3-0, and and there are only three teams in all National Football League have got the 3-0, and so I think the Eagles are in a darn good place right now. Yeah, so do I. I mean, they've just been going along and taking care of their business, and they're 3-0, and which I want to get to the two kids up front, and that's the two Georgia kids, um, Carter and, and Davis. What kind of impact do you feel they've had now that you've had a chance to watch them in three games? Uh, to use a word to describe it, scary. 
uh, scary for the rest of the National Football League that uh, they have good as they've been for the first couple of games. Uh, the Eagles are getting good pressure on the quarterback. They're not getting as many sacks as they did last year, but Baker Mayfield had to make so many off-schedule plays the other night because he got forced from the pocket. Uh, about 80 to 90% of the time, that's coming right off the middle. The Eagles' edge players, which we know they have outstanding guys, just checked the stat, stat numbers from last year, Hassan Reddick, Brandon Graham. Oh, they're both off the slow starts. The only guy on the edge who's really producing is Josh Sweat. They're not getting for anything from their other two guys or Derek Barnett, not sure why he's still on the team, and Nolan Smith, while they're pushing the other young Georgia defensive linemen, they seem to be bringing him along slowly. Their edge guys aren't giving them a lot because they don't need to because between the two big dogs in the middle and Fletcher Cox, shoot, Milton Williams, uh, Tui Pelotu got a sack the other night. So they've got unbelievable depth, and it's all started by those two big former Georgia Bulldogs in the middle. In fact, let's take that one step further, because if you were to ask Tom Brady what always bothered him pressure-wise, it was always up the middle in his face. And what's mm-hmm. made Aaron Donald so great? He's always up the middle in your face. The Eagles have two guys like that right now, and three with Fletcher Cox. That makes them different than anybody else. And you usually, it takes some time. There are always uh, exceptions to every rule, but uh, that's a position where you, you got to learn the ropes. you got to earn your respect. Yeah. It takes some time. Uh, Davis, of course, got hurt last year, which I think compromised the season. He had gotten off to a good start. Then he got hurt. The Eagles went out and got some veteran guys to fill in for him while he was gone, so he wasn't asked to play that much. So his stats weren't great, but he's the kind of guy who we were led to believe he's not going to get stats. He's going to get uh, double blockers, and he's going to make it easier for everybody else. Well, now in year number two, he's actually getting the stats, too. He's getting the pressures. He's getting his hands on the quarterback. He's getting tackles. So he's stepped his game up, and then his teammate from Georgia comes in, and Carter is putting up numbers and if you believe in pro football focus the ranking system and the way they watch the film and then grade it out he's already one of the best defensive tackles in the game in the game and he's played all of three games so those georgia boys have just been dominant so far this year i want to ask you about pro football focus look you've done this a long time you have a feel for it all right, and that's 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 one of those words that I know a lot of people in analytics don't like. Mm-hmm. But when but you know what you're seeing, does Pro Football Focus just confirm what you're seeing, or is it something you find to be a useful tool? Oh, I I, <laughs> I have a love hate relationship with Pro Football Focus. Sometimes yeah. their stuff matches exactly with as you say. I see, I feel. And then other times I'm confounded by it. I'm going, I, that's just not what I'm seeing. I'm not sure how they're coming up with this. So uh, I like football focus. I use football focus. I reference football focus. I don't swear by football focus. I don't say when football focus has a number that I don't necessarily agree with, oh, shoot, I must be wrong. No, I stand by what I see and I stand by what I believe. But I, I do uh, like the amount of work that they put into the way that they explain their breakdown. Sometimes agree, sometimes right. disagree. Right, but exactly. But see, you're somebody that knows what he's looking at. That's why when you're talking about it, I'll go with that every single time. Uh, I appreciate that. Uh, I think it, here's an agreement across the board. 
the two big guys from Georgia are very good players. Yeah. I think so. Football, pro, pro football focus yeah. thinks so. The three opposing teams at the Eagles of Beat yeah. think so. I think we're all in agreement on that one. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Jalen Hurts, what have you thought about him to this point? He is one of those guys that I kind of referenced earlier. We know Jalen Hurts is better than he played the first three games, or at least off comparison to his MVP runner-up uh, season last year. He'll get better. It's going to come around. There's probably a little bit of a transition period from Shane Steichen. Uh, they worked so well together last year. Know that uh, he's the new offensive coordinator. He's known him since he's four years old. So we're supposed to believe they're just going to hit the ground running and be in perfect stride. Haven't been. The, the play calling hasn't necessarily matched up to Jalen Strengths or uh, the, the, the new uh, arrival that they got in DeAndre Swift. It'll come around. If you think uh, Jalen Green, again, is playing to, what do you want to grade him, uh, C-plus so far this mm-hmm. season, you've got your quarterback playing C-plus football and you're 3-0. and I'll, I'll, I'll sign on for that. Uh, there'd be a lot of teams in this league that would love to have Jay, Jalen Hurts playing C-plus football for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> to be honest with you, can you can – you, Josh Elliott's been there a long time. And everyone remembers beating the Giants on the 61-yard field goal years ago. What does his scoring range do for that offense and for for how Nick Sirianni thinks? Um, It's a major plus because Jake is one of the best kickers in the league. I certainly agree with you on that. they would prefer to score touchdowns. That was the one of the few things I held against them the other night against the uh, Bucks. Uh, they came up short in the, the red zone a couple of times. If you get in the red zone, you want to put up seven. You don't want to put up three. But it's very nice to know that you've got a guy like Jake Elliott in your back pocket. Now, the Eagles also like to go for it on fourth down a lot, which is going to take the kicker out of it. They yep. did that in the first quarter and couldn't convert. So they go the length of the field and then come away with nothing. Uh, but that's a major plus for the Eagles, that when in doubt they've got Jake Elliott, and you know that his range is 50-plus. That gives you a lot of flexibility in play calling when you're out uh, in the middle of the field. I mean, let's face it, you get the ball to the 35-yard line, you feel you're going to get points. I mean, it yeah, just depends. Minimum on, you know. of three. You're going right. for seven, but you know you're walking away with a minimum of three. Exactly. I have to ask you about the Phillies. They won in a walk-off. They've qualified for the playoffs. Uh, we know last year's team got to the World Series, but every team is different. What do you like about this team, and what are a couple of areas about this team that you'd have a concern about in the postseason? Well, uh, and watching the celebration last night, which was a heck of a lot of fun, um, I loved what Rob Thompson said. And we're built for this, meaning the playoffs, that yeah. they've put this team together with the guys who were here last year. And there's a lot of carryover from last year's team that went to the World Series. But in addition, like a Trey Turner, who has uh, come up big for them. Uh, a guy like Hoffman, who they pick up off the scrap heap, and right now seems to me be, to be their most dependable uh, pitcher. You get a guy like Castellanos, who I guess needed a learning year, an adjustment year in Philadelphia, but is playing like the $20 million player that they thought he was going to be. And then you add, which is probably the most rewarding thing, both Stott and Bohm taking big steps yeah. up this year. Homegrown guys. Yeah, yeah, I love Schwarber. Everybody loves Schwarber. Castellanos having a phenomenal year. People only throw their arms around them about 90%. When you come through the system, when you've been a Philly for your entire professional life, 
it's just easier to root for guys like that. And they're both having phenomenal years this year. So, yeah, I think this is a better team than the one that went to the World Series. Now, it doesn't guarantee another World Series appearance because I believe the Braves are a better team than they were last year, and the Phillies picked them off along the way. Uh, I'm very much looking forward to that series in the second round. Braves-Phillies is going to be must-watch TV. What? How much has your respect level for Trey Turner grown? Because early in the the year, he obviously was struggling. Now is not. What What is it about him that you respect so much? Because he didn't let it get to him. Yes. He was pretty damn level-headed the whole time. And we now all know the story of they gave him a standing ovation despite the struggling. And from that point on, he really has kicked it in. So he is the kind of guy that you you, you need to pat on the back rather than kick in the rear end. But he could have been kicked in the rear end by his friends, by his family members, by Rob Thompson, by everybody else, because he was struggling pretty darn bad. You never saw it in his face. You never heard him what he said. You might have seen it in the field and – uh, he really didn't have a good first half of the season. But the fact that he never showed the frustration told you that when he gets it going, he could get it going big time, and that's exactly what happened. Uh, Jody, final question uh, for you, and that deals with Rob Thompson. We know he stepped in last year for Joe Girardi, gets the club to the World Series. He's now had a full season under his belt. Where, even subtly, do you feel he's grown as a manager by having a full season? Oh, this is probably the easiest question you ask me because I know and like Rob Thompson a great deal. I root very hard for Rob Thompson. But my job when I'm on at night on WIP after the game, we're analyzing what just happened. Oh, I'll second-guess Rob Thompson all the time. If he makes a move that I don't like, that I think was a mistake, I will call him on the carpet. And last year when he took over heading to the World Series, I thought he was way too stringent with his lineup. He set the lineup. He liked the lineup. I believe he had to put too much emphasis on continuity. And guys could be in funks like a Reese Hoskins, uh, who is one of the most up-and-down players in all of baseball when he's actually out there playing. Never moved him down. Just kept him in that two-hole. And I thought, yeah, why you drop him down, put somebody else up there? Maybe it lights a fire under his butt. And Rob was the kind of manager who said, no, 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 I, I, I like my lineup. I know my lineup. I want my lineup to achieve. This year, he's been much more willing to move guys around. And when a guy is struggling, he'll drop them down. And Castellanos is a great example. When he's hot, he's become this year's Reese Hoskins. When he's hot, he can carry the team by himself. When he's cold, look out below. It can get pretty darn bad. So he's moved Castellanos around a lot. He's moved Stott around. He's moved Bohm into the cleanup spot after he had him down in the bottom third all year long. I like the fact that he's shown the flexibility to let the players dictate as to where they should be in the lineup, and I think it's worked wonders for him this year. You always do such great work. Uh, always impressed. Thanks so much for everything, Jody. Great appreciation here. Steve, as I always tell you, anytime you need me, all you got to do is call. I'm your guy. Thanks, Jody. You got it, bud. The great Jody Mack. Jody McDonald from Philadelphia, from WIP. One of the real aces out there. All right. We will come back with more in a moment. The passing of Brooks Robinson, I want to at least mention that. Uh, the great Brooks Robinson. And uh, we'll talk to you about that in a moment here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. The two greatest third basemen of my lifetime 
happened to be Mike Schmidt and Brooks Robinson. If a Phillies fan came up to me and said that Mike Schmidt is unquestionably the best third baseman in the history of the game, I'd say, okay, I can see exactly where you're coming from. If an Orioles fan came up to me and said Brooks Robinson to them is the greatest third baseman in the history of the game, I'd say, I can see where you're coming from. Those are the two best I've ever seen in my life. Mike Schmidt, Brooks Robinson. The ability to hit, hit with power. Schmidt, probably had, you know, obviously had more power. Field, uh, come up with big hits in big moments, the way uh, Mike Schmidt performed in the World Series, the way, I mean, Brooks Robinson was a World Series MVP. Brooks Robinson passed away yesterday at the age of 86. Never had the privilege of meeting him. Johnny Holiday has a golf tournament every year, and Johnny's, you know, the timing has never worked out. He's, 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 he's invited me down for it, and I've wanted to go, and he always would say, he says, Steve, by the way, Brooks Robinson's going to be here. I'm like, oh, geez, I really want to go. Um, and it, the timing never worked out, so I never got the privilege of it. Every single person I know, Johnny being one of them, that knew Brooks Robinson said he was the nicest guy on the face of the earth. That he would take time to talk to people. This is very much in the realm of how Franco Harris was. Franco Harris, you want to know, the running joke was Franco was late for everything. You want to know why? Because Franco took the time to talk to people and then, yeah, yeah, it may have taken a little longer to talk to them so he would run a little later to something. But he was curious about you. Well, everybody says that's the way Brooks Robinson was. He was always curious about you. Who are you? Where are you from? What do you do? Why? You know, it's a, it's a pleasure, you know, to meet you and find out about you. And that's the they say what Brooks Robinson was like. He was one of those, and, and Tim Kirchner would say, would tell you that he was one of those guys that he'd say to you, you know, anything you need, just let me know. Something you want to know, just ask. Right? You know, you know, I might be able to help you out. As well as being a great player. I was telling my class today, because it's funny because they have a softball team in the classroom. So we've been kidding about the softball team the last couple of weeks. I actually went over to one of their couple innings of their game last week because I promised them I would, so I went. Right? And they've got this kid named Jake Irwin. He's out of Hollidaysburg. And you know, I'm watching Jake over third. And I said, and he's, ironically, on Monday I said this. He says, you're like the human vacuum cleaner, Brooks Robinson. And then we find out yesterday that Brooks passed away at 86. So I told him in class, I said, said YouTube the 1970 World Series. You want to see a guy on grass at Memorial Stadium or AstroTurf, Riverfront Stadium, make plays at third, and then get key hits when you needed it. I said, that was Brooks Robinson. And that was his career. Beloved. Tim Kirchin had a great line in his obituary of Brooks Robinson. He said, in New York, they named a candy bar after Reggie Jackson. In Baltimore, they named their kids after Brooks Robinson. The number of people named Brooks in the Baltimore area. He says that's the impact that he had on the people of that city. In a city where Johnny Unitas was beloved and Lenny Moore and Raymond Berry 
the Colts. Brooks Robinson was beloved in Baltimore. He did it through performance, and he did it through personality because he was just himself the entire time based on what everybody says about him. Tomorrow, our high school roundtable, and the king on the show tomorrow. And we thank Caleb for the great job, especially at the beginning of the show, because quarterback club didn't run over today. Today's show brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15, Hummels Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. Here on News Radio 1070 WKOK, Sean Hannity is next on News Radio 1070 WKOK.